Thankfully, it's quite unlikely that any of us are going to be put on trial for our faith today. Though it does happen in some parts of the world. But that doesn't mean that even here on Isla, we don't feel the pressure to stay quiet about Jesus. When I was at secondary school, we had a room for our Christian union. And on the wall of that room, there was a poster that I have never forgotten. In big, bold letters, it said the following. If you were put on trial for your Christian faith, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That question has never left me. I often find myself thinking about it. If I was put on trial for my Christian faith, would there be enough evidence to convict me? And that question brings home the need for us all to live out our faith in public, day by day. It urges us to put the teaching of Jesus into action. One of the foremost things that Jesus asked of us was to go out into the world and speak about him. What was the Great Commission? Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This then perhaps is the trial that we face here on Isla today. Making Jesus known. Being prepared to talk to others about Jesus, who he is and what he's working on. As we do this, we will be asked questions like in a court of law. As we do this, we might face hostility and rejection. But this is the trial that we're called to. Isla is the courtroom in which we must make our stand. And we all know that this is difficult. So I want to use our passage to try and give us some advice for how we might go about it. The trial of Paul in Acts goes on for many chapters and we don't have time to cover it all. But we'll draw out six brief points that hopefully will encourage us. The first point is the challenge. And sadly, it is unavoidable. If we're going to speak out for Jesus and tell others about our faith, we are going to need to have courage. One of the things that grabbed me this week as I read these chapters is that Paul knew that trouble was coming to him. He knew a trial lay ahead. In Acts chapter 20, when he was saying goodbye to his friends from Ephesus, he said these words. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. A few verses later, when Paul was in Caesarea, he had the prophet Agabus come to him and warn him that he would be bound up if he went to Jerusalem. At this, even his traveling companions begged Paul not to go onwards. The text says it had a profound effect upon him, but he would not shrink from doing what he knew was right. Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. 
when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. And after this, we started on the way to Jerusalem. What courage Paul showed. He remained utterly committed to doing God's will, even when he knew hardship lay ahead. And that courage came in part from knowing the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul said it was the Holy Spirit that compelled him forwards. There really is no way around this. If we're going to live for God and serve him here on Isla, at some point we will need to draw up courage and step out in faith. But we don't go alone. We go in step with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us and promises to empower us for all that lies ahead. The second thing that jumped out to me uh, from this reading was the need for respect. If we're going to be a witness for Jesus, we need to show respect to the people around us, even the ones we strongly disagree with. When Paul arrived in Jerusalem, from verse 17 onwards of chapter 21, he went out of his way to make a public sign of respect. He showed his respect to those Christians in the city who remained zealous for the Jewish law. And the text tells us that he did this by paying the expenses for four fellow believers who had taken a vow to the Lord. As part of this, Paul also volunteered to go through a rigorous purification process to make himself ceremonially clean in Jewish eyes. It would have involved a seven-day ritual where he was regularly sprinkled with water by the Jewish priest. Now, if you have ever read any of Paul's letters in the New Testament, you will know that he wrote at length about practices like these. He consistently campaigned that these religious rituals were not necessary for salvation. In fact, they were frequently a hindrance to Gentiles coming to faith. Yet here he is putting himself through them. Why would he do that? Well, there's only one reason. He is trying to show respect. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 20, Paul wrote this. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those who are under the law. In other words, Paul went to great lengths in order just to win himself the opportunity to speak to someone about Jesus. And we see this respect again in the following verses. Towards the end of his purification process, Paul is mobbed by some Asian Jews intent on causing trouble. The crowd sees him and drag him away and try to kill him. And in order to save his life, the Roman army swoop in and arrest Paul, while all the time the mob are screaming, get rid of him, at the top of their voices. It is not a pleasant scene. Yet despite all of this, just look at how Paul addresses this hostile crowd with the first opportunity he gets. He switches from his usual Greek into Aramaic, so he's speaking their language. And then he addresses them in verse 1 of chapter 2 like this. 
brothers and fathers. Brothers and fathers. Listen now to my defense. What an incredible act that is. Paul has just been nearly mauled to death. And yet he speaks so appropriately, so sensitively, so politely. He shows nothing but respect. And this respect quietens the crowd down so that he has the chance to speak to them. Still today on Isla, if we want to talk to any of our neighbours about Jesus, we're going to need to show them respect first. Maybe if they're a Gaelic speaker, why not learn a few words of the language so you can greet them? They will appreciate it. If they are the type of people who take their shoes off at the door, we should take our shoes off at the door when we go and visit them. We should show respect by taking an interest in the things that interest them. Talk to them about their hobbies and their families and their work and their football team. It's through respect that we get the chance to speak. That was true for Paul. It's still true today. The third thing that I'd like us to know is the value of sharing our personal experience. When Paul does finally get chance to give his defence to this crowd in chapter 22, this is immediately where he goes. He shares his testimony. Now again, we don't have time to look at it in great detail, but let me just give you a brief summary. He begins by speaking about how he was once a devout, observant Jew, just like them. He tells them how he used to be zealous for the law. In fact, he used to persecute people just like they were persecuting him. But everything changed when he met the risen Lord Jesus on the Damascus Road. And this experience was confirmed by another devout and highly respected Jew, a man named Ananias. And they both heard God call Paul to go and serve the Gentiles, something Paul would have had no intention of doing prior to this event. Can you see what sharing personal testimony does? It makes faith real. It makes it applicable and relevant. Paul shows how he was just like his accusers. And he demonstrates the tangible difference that God has made to his life. Now, of course, many of the Jews refused to accept his testimony. As soon as Paul mentioned the Gentiles, there was uproar again. But for the whole time he shared his testimony, the crowd listened. And still today, people will listen when we talk about our personal experience. We live in a world where the mantra is, this is my truth, tell me yours. Our neighbours are far more likely to engage with us when we tell our stories, rather than if we try to hit them with academic doctrine. Our experience is important, and we should try to share it. And Maybe we could just, as an exercise this week, just practice writing out our testimony so it's fresh in our mind, so we're ready to share it when the opportunity comes. The fourth thing that stood out for me in this reading was the power of integrity. On seeing the great uproar again, the Roman commander takes Paul away. He was about to flog him for causing such a commotion before he found out that he was a Roman citizen and spared him. 
And at that point, the commander decides to take Paul before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling body. He wants to find out exactly what charges are being laid against him. Now, I reckon that that commander must have been pretty impressed by what happened next. This is the beginning of chapter 23. In front of all the Jewish religious elite, Paul declares that he has always acted in good conscience. On hearing this, the high priest orders Paul to be struck on the mouth, a sure sign that he believes him to be speaking blasphemy and lies. However, the high priest is in for a shock because this person that he wants to condemn as a heretic actually knows God's law far better than he does. Paul points out that rather than upholding the law as he was supposed to, the high priest has just broken it by commanding violence to be meted out against him. And Paul points out that the high priest has no integrity at all. In the text, he describes him like a broken down wall that was rotten and crumbling from the inside, but had been given a nice lick of white paint to impress passers-by. He has no integrity. But in contrast to the high priest, just look at how Paul behaves. When it was pointed out to Paul, just who he has just criticised, Paul takes the unusual step of apologising. Listen to this, verses 4 and 5 of chapter 23. Those who were standing near Paul said, How dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I did not realise that it was the high priest. For it is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. What? Come again? What is Paul apologising for? He was the one in the right, wasn't he? Well, Yes, he was. But he also had this profound desire to follow God's law. He knew that God had asked him to respect the office of the high priest. He might strongly disagree with the person who was holding that office and was right to say so, but he would continue to do what was asked of him. This unusual apology in the face of such intimidation and violence must have shone like a beacon in that very dark room. Paul's integrity was clear for all to see. And we know that the Roman commander was impressed by it because four times in our reading, he steps in to save Paul's life. Romans were known for their brutality. They had no qualms about meeting out violence to prisoners But this commander clearly warms to Paul and repeatedly protects him. Still today, we as Christians need to be known as people of integrity. If we want to win people over, if we want to be the best witnesses that we can be to the people of Isla, our actions must match our words. Who we are on a Sunday morning in church must be the same as who we are in the rest of the week. Because let me tell you this, islanders are watching. They are watching us. And they won't hesitate to turn away if they see a difference. Yet if they see integrity in our lives, they'll take more and more interest in our message.
And it's to that message that we now briefly turn. For the fifth point of note from our reading is that Paul does all he can to get to Jesus. We've seen him show great respect to his persecutors, but that didn't stop him getting to the main point, the point of contention. Paul always wanted to talk about Jesus. He always wanted to talk about what Jesus had achieved. And we reach the most important statement in all of this trial in verse 6 of chapter 23. My brothers, I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. Now, Paul knew that in saying that, he was going to cause uproar once more. He knew that the Pharisees believed in resurrection and the Sadducees didn't. So they're going to immediately start fighting about this. But that didn't stop him from stating the truth. The truth that he knew everyone needed to hear. You know, we might have spent months getting to know our neighbours. We might have spent all that time carefully showing an interest in them, coming alongside them, helping them out in practical ways. But at some point, we will have to speak. At some point, we will have to get to Jesus, even if we think they might not accept it. And of course, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and the promise of our own resurrection is another key source of that courage that we thought about earlier. Knowing the truth about the resurrection means that we can always have hope. One day, we will be vindicated for the stand that we have taken and eternity awaits if death has been defeated, what is the worst that anyone can do to us? Their mockery, only a temporary inconvenience. Knowing the resurrection of Jesus gave Paul the courage to stand up and speak for Jesus when he was on trial. And it can do the same for us living here on Isla today. This then brings us neatly to the final point in my collection of thoughts from this passage. Ultimately, where does Paul get all his courage from? How does he show such respect and maintain such integrity while under pressure? How does he know just the right thing to say at just the right moment? Well, he can do all these things because God is with him. And in verse 11 of chapter 23, as I focused on with the children, Paul gets given this incredible privilege. The night after his trial in front of the Sanhedrin, the Lord draws near to Paul and reveals himself again, just as he did on the Damascus road. He gives him this precious glimpse of his presence. He draws back that thin, shimmering veil that separates heaven from earth just for a moment. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. That must have been such an encouraging word. Paul would not die in Jerusalem. Despite what the Jewish trial found, he would go on to Rome, just as Paul had previously felt led to do. He would have the opportunity to witness for Jesus right at the heart of the empire. 
Now, this is not God promising Paul that life would be easy. The word translated testify in this verse is the same Greek word as we get the word martyr from. There would be great difficulty ahead, but God promised to be with him every step of the way. And what a great relief that must have been to Paul. And incredibly, we get a sign of what God's presence can achieve almost right away. The very next thing we read of is this plot made against Paul's life, a plot that is thwarted by his nephew, finding himself in just the right place at just the right time and raising the alarm. Now, you could say that that placing of Paul's nephew was just a coincidence. Or you could decide, like many Christians have done down through the ages, that coincidences tend to happen when God's people rely on him. What was it that Archbishop William Temple once said? When I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, coincidences stop happening. As Christians, we can know that God is always with us. We might not always be able to see him, but he is not far off. He is just behind the veil, always able, always ready to step in. Indeed, through the Holy Spirit, he truly lives within us, so we are never alone. In all these things, we can take courage, because we know that no matter what trials lay ahead of us, God's will will be done, and his kingdom will come, and we can trust that completely. So we may find it a great trial to witness to our community. We may feel like we're in the dock when those around us start asking questions. But if we put our trust in the Lord like Paul did, we can continue to stand and speak about Jesus.